Welcome to one more edition of Politics Done Right. Today, we continue our series of a better human story with the one and only Dr. Andy Schmuckler. With us today, Dr. Andrew Bard Schmuckler, PhD, a prize-winning author, former Democratic candidate for Congress in Virginia's very red Shenandoah Valley, former talk radio host, summa cum laude graduate of Howard University. I like the smart ones. PhD awarded with distinction in a program specifically created to accommodate his original theory explaining how civilization has developed and a frequent columnist in newspapers around the world. Good afternoon, Dr. Schmuckler. How are you doing today, sir? Okay, I, I, was, I was listening to the introduction. I was thinking, if I ran a zoo, um, uh, coming from where I've learned to come from, I, I would have emphasized the academic earlier on. I mean, when people hear me uh, as a political candidate and a talk radio host, uh, I, I don't think they're getting the essence of me um, quickly. Uh, well, you see, I, I beg to differ for one specific reason. Maybe that would have been true 20 or 30 years ago. America has become so shallow that you have... Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture, and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. You have to fish first and then bring the intellect. Well, do you think do you think that when people hear you describe me the way they did, where where the summa from Harvard piece of it uh, doesn't come in until they've already got this image in my their mind of a talk radio host, uh, right? And that's who they like. Uh, so, do you think, in terms of my credibility to talk about the things I talk about, and the things I talk about are an integrated picture of some important let, let, ideas. Let me tell you, let me as uh, somebody who is in front of people every day online offline everywhere i hate to say this right but i had to change you know i don't i don't i don't i mean i i would love to be able to have people think my way and like what i like but i realize when you're in this type of a business you have to let people lead or you have to allow them to let you yeah but i'm on a mission i'm on a different kind of mission Actually, I, I need to convey something. Uh, actually, you are on the same mission. You want to be heard. You want people to listen to you, absorb what you have, and know that what you have is of value. Yeah, but, let me put it this way. What I want is to have people incorporate certain important ideas into their way of seeing the world. I can disappear. Uh, in fact, because I'm yes. 76, I realize, you know, I'm going to disappear. Well, let me ask you something, doctor. Yeah. The only way that can happen is what? If people listen. Thank you. That's my and, point. But why, so maybe I, I'm, let me, I'm going to ask you, um, do you think that the people that were, that you're talking about, that you composed that, you know, talk radio host before, academic honors uh, thing. Do you think that they're going to think uh, in a way that could uh, incorporate that better human story? Are, are they going to do the work? 
that it takes to see things whole that I'm trying to convey? If put it this way, if that's not the case, I'm in the wrong business and you're in the wrong business and you think to let, let me, and, and this is important because what you're saying is very important. What you just said, uh, a lot of people tell me, why are you spinning your wheels? Why do you talk to those people? In other words, let, you, let me, I don't this, know who those people are. That's what I'm ahead, about. That's what I'm about to explain. Okay. You're an, in, you're an intellect. You're a Harvard graduate. You're a summa cum laude. You have all this high level of thinking. That's a fact. The yeah, thing about it's it, sort of the essence of, uh, exactly, of what I've but, had. But, doctor, let me tell you something about where America has gone since the Powell Manifesto and all these other things. We have taught America not to think too deeply. We've taught America to be superficial. Yeah, now so what, 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 how, how, this sounds like I'm the wrong guy. No, uh, you're the right guy. And let me explain. You're the right guy brought in by me. Let me explain what but, I mean by that. But if they don't want to think, you know, I, I'm working real hard to lay out something to think. Um, let's get, let's, let's, let's move from the elite now to the masses. And let me explain what I mean by that. Um, one of my contention is a lot of us on the progressive side. Uh, we want to reach an audience that is ready and willing to accept what we have to offer. I believe it takes more work to create that audience so that they will be willing to accept our work. Uh, this wasn't what I was expecting to talk about, but there's some good things here. So let me go for them. Um, uh, first of all, you know, I'm a mixture of, I feel like I really see some stuff that's right. true and important. And I don't pretend to understand, you know, like how to reach the audience in the way that I want to, you know, mm -hmm. I, I, I'm, I'm ready to, to learn about that. Um, one of the things that I have wondered uh, as I put this, uh, the first big piece of this vision out into the world in 1984 mm -hmm. got a full page review in the New York Times. I have come to suspect that one of the aspects of the consciousness of our times is that there is no appetite for a perspective that, uh, on the whole that brings some important things into focus. When I, when I was growing up, let's say the 1950s and 60s, you know, developing mm -hmm. my mind in my family with my schooling and stuff like that. There were two thinkers who had a huge impact on the general way of people thought about the world. Um, one was Sigmund Freud and one was Karl Marx. And uh, a lot of people perceived some important part of the world through one of those perspectives or the mm -hmm. other. I myself never had a, a, a great deal of appreciation for Marx, but I delved very deeply into Freud. He was the, the, most, the closest to an intellectual men mentor other than my dad that, that I had in my life. And eventually I started quarreling with him and, you know, I, I have a different perspective on it, but Anyway, there were those two big schools. Those thoughts were out there in the world influencing how people saw, you know, the, the class struggle 
uh -huh. if they were Marx, or how they saw, um, uh, it, you know, Woody Allen movies. You know? I, love, I love Woody yeah. Allen movies. I mean, he's saturated with a Freudian, you know. Um, anyway, uh, the, the, both of those guys have lost a lot of their standing, a lot for good reasons. I mean, I've criticized both of them in my writings, and some of it's in length, at length. But not only are they not what they used to be, but also nothing has taken their place. It's like there's no market out there for the big picture. You know, whether, whether you buy the big picture according to Marx or Freud, both of them built these huge structures that illuminated some important things. And, 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 were, and deservedly shaped the consciousness of their times. We got nothing like that now. And I also fear that the reason we got nothing is that people are not thinking about the world in a way which, that there's not a market for it. And that's what I'm trying to sell. Uh, and I, I, I love that explanation, actually. And what I have to say, first of all, when you, when you talk about uh, the, the earth having Sigmund Freud or Karl Marx as a two polar, not polar opposite, but, you know, uh, two, two different alternative visions, two al alternative visions, some aspect of the human world. Right. Those, those are the two aspects that you grew up with. I imagine if you grew up somewhere else that has no context with America or, or the Western world. In, in the intellectual world, these two guys were dominant in Western civilization generally. In Western civilization, exactly. But again, they're, they're Western civilization is not the sole civilization. And one of the things that you get from that is that, um, you know, people have, I think whereas where you say that there isn't a prevailing thought right now, I think what it is is that people have said there are many others. Now, I was intrigued by your a, a Better Human story. I was intrigued in, in the things that you have to say, but I think we have to come to the realization on two things, first of all. One, capturing people by experience, right? And capturing them by experience. In other words, you have to create that symbiotic relationship with that. With that. When I say person, I'm not talking individual person. I'm talking about, you know, with, with society proper. And also... You have to uh, you have to be humbled to have folks listen now. I mean, at first we had a master who said, and when I spent, I'm not talking about slave master kind of thing. I'm talking about when you when you talk about these two men were thinkers, right? Yeah. In society today, that's not the thought process. The thought process is, but it's it's my thought process exactly. It, but it, and, and and it's it's, I there's a value to it, um, it, it but it requires the intellectual habit of trying to see how everything's connected, and what I believe that I've been up against is that we have a into a, a motive of thought predominant in our civilization that sees things in pieces. It, it, it sees the news as like one thing. For example, let me just give you an example. Starting in, I think, 2005, I started asking liberal audiences, what do we call something 
that. And then I would describe all the stuff that the Republican Party was doing. Mm-hmm. Things like exacerbating hostilities between the races, shifting wealth from the people who have the, the least to the people who already have the most, uh, blocking action, necessary action on climate change, and on and on and on. And basically what I was trying to say is put the pieces together and see the spirit at work here. This is what we are up against. And the habit of our time of not putting the pieces together, as I saw what happened as I kept trying to do this, it's a habit of, of, of just, you know, hanging back and, 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 and watching one thing happen after another. I am glad you put that into perspective. First of all, I, I want to push back on on on, on a first part that you said. Um, wh- when I said, when I mentioned that people today's in today's world, they won't look at two big thinkers of our time with with, with you know, and, and and in my opinion, justifiably so. And your response was, "Well, I do." And that's fine. Let me give a different response, which is it is important to see things whole. I know I and that takes it takes work. And it's important intellectually, because if you don't see things whole, you don't really see them. Now, Dr. Schmuckler, I am in 100 percent agreement with you. And you know who else sees things in whole, just not wholly in a holy form? The right, because everything that you've just said. They have been planning for 50 years and they're close to the culmination of it. And as you've accurately stated, we are still thinking in bits and pieces. In other words, they came to, I mean, that, that Roe versus Wade is coming to an end, that all these Supreme Court things are about to fall, that all of that was a plan as a whole not a whole not a holy whole and and you know from our previous conversations that i see this battle yes uh, i see the, the this battle in terms of two coherent forces one of them spreading consistently a pattern of brokenness which is my definition that was what evil. we spoke about last week yes and you, you you can't see that at the heart of the human drama is a battle between good and evil Yes. Unless you can see how the pieces fit together. Because, and that's what we did, I think, the last time out was yes. talk about how yes. if you connect cause and effect, you can see this force of evil the way we can see the wind in the swaying of the trees and the flapping of the clothes on the line. So it's a spiritual requirement and it's an intellectual requirement. And in the case of what I've got to offer, it takes intellectual work. You know, we do need some kind of framework to make sense of this big picture. We're and, in. You, and you know what? You actually use the title of what our show is supposed to be today, which is the reality of the spiritual dimension. But before we hit that, I do want to go there. I do want to go there. I, I know do, you I do. do want to go there. You want to go there. Of course you want to <laughs> yeah, go <I> there. Do. <laughs> but it's it's what, a part of that whole. Right. What I want to say, Dr. Lewis, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Now, the, with, with respect to thinking the way you think you have to think the totality i don't know you probably don't listen to my show on a daily basis but that is what i try to do and that's why on my program i don't just talk to progressives i talk to everybody and i try to put everybody together in fact i'm going to be in new york uh on the third 
uh, with the Bridge Alliance, where we're going to be talking about, you know, sort of looking at the yeah. whole. I, I, uh, let me just say also, I do want to get to the spiritual thing. Uh, I, I respect, uh, though I don't fully have a concept of exactly what all you're doing, but mm-hmm. um, I'm listening as closely as I can, and I respect it. And, and, and your relationship with your audience, um, uh, uh, I appreciate it. There's more than one kind of relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and mine's different. Um, and, and I can see downsides and such to it. But, you know, I'm on this mission, which has to do with conveying an integrative vision of the human world. And, you know, I, I'm, that's different from what you're doing in relating to people and bringing them together into things that you share with them and show to them. And I think there's room for both of us to place. And I, I'm appreciative that you've. Put um, me you in know this. what is great? I, I think you, you may have you may have said it. I, I consider myself now a conduit, okay? And I think it's it's an important distinction. I don't want to claim to know what everybody knows, but I want I want the opportunity to learn from others and transmit that conduit and transmit that in a fashion that they will absorb it and you're you're an honest honest broker exactly exactly so anyway brother dr andy schmuckler let's get this let's get busy with the reality of the spiritual dimension yeah why is it that you wanted to talk about that today well it relates to seeing things whole uh, I, I mean, intellectually seeing things whole for me, you know, I, I took my my comprehensives in a dozen fields, or at least I told my commit, you know, uh, mm-hmm. it's interdisciplinary. I've been interdisciplinary since I was in my teens. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the intellectual thing. But to see things whole also means seeing other kinds of dimensions than the intellectual. And we've talked about the reality of value be here before that that something emerges with life, that creatures for whom something is better or something is worse, brings value into the world. It does exist and it exists through subjective experience. So experience brings in a whole nother dimension. And so the the integrated picture I'm trying to give has within it a moral dimension. There is such a thing as good and evil, better and worse. Justice is better than injustice. Love is better than hatred. Generosity is better than greed and so on. It's simply true because it is life-serving to be on one side of those and life-destroying to be on the other side of those. And and value registers in the experience of creatures like us. Well, the spiritual dimension is another one. It's not on the intellectual plane. Like the moral one, it emerges. It's not objective about laying out the forces like I tend to do. And it's it's about experiencing value, but it's something that goes beyond just saying, this feels better than that feels. I'm fulfilled or I'm miserable. That kind of value. There's something else, and that is that it is widespread in humankind that people will have a special kind of experience. Something breaks through into a reality which is hyper real. It is is what's really real. 
it is powerful. It may, you know, it can take different forms. It could be, you know, some, some uh, uh, Mexican girl uh, seeing the Virgin Mary, or it could be uh, 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 somebody sitting Zen and having Satori, uh, or it could be Moses in the burning bush. I've had a couple of experiences like that myself that got me thinking. 83 and 2004. And 70. Okay. I mean, that was, that one really rocked the boat. Okay. Um, that set me on. And, and one of the things is that that level of experience, there's various things you can say about it, but it's very powerful in its role in, in individual lives. You know, my life took off from that day and, and, you know, I was on my way to an academic career and everything changed in a couple minutes where, where I saw something and had a, a, a transformative spiritual experience. And other people have other kinds of experience. Like we had astronauts up there, uh, the first people to see our planet from As that vantage point. Yeah. And, and they come back, a couple of them anyway, they come back with having had a spiritually transformative experience. Anyway, it is a fact and this is, you know, my integrative vision is we can get to where we need to get to through a rational and empirical way of looking at things. And evolution has created this picture. We can tell by how widespread this capacity for this special kind of experience is that it is part of the, that capacity is part of the human genome. Explain. Well, people are doing it, you know. I don't know if elephants do it. I'm not going to launch into a Cole Porter song. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> but humans do it. And, and, and it, it, you know, we can go to hunter gatherers and you can see that in the Siberian uh, hunter gathering tribes uh, bands, the, uh, there, were, there were shamans who would enter into a special realm of spiritual whatever uh, and come back. Um, having something of value for their community. And uh, I, I, I read about uh, wizards in the Amazon who uh, likewise are part of, you know, these, these bands and who uh, have used some of the Amazon, the, the jungles uh, plants uh, in order to achieve a spiritually illuminated state where they learn things that are important. So we have a, a fact that human beings have this capacity. And it's something like that wouldn't be there if it wasn't being selected for. Let me I mean, stop you there. Just... What exactly is that spiritual dimension? Well, I mean, I given, it's, given that it's not physical, what is what is it? It's, it's a level of ex I'm talking about right now as a level of experience. That's the key word. People have a, a an experience which is especially powerful. It tends to deliver to them truths that feel important it can take a lot of different forms i mean you look give at me your human... 1970 experience well in my experience i felt like i was being shown something who by whom or by what? well beats me not like i haven't thought about it i don't have an answer that fits into my mm, rational empirical no, you wrote a book out of that one yeah, I did. I, I, I did. I, I applied called, all the tools. Uh, I think it's all the called uh, the parable of the tribes. The parable of the tribes. Yeah. 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 I spent uh, 
you know, I wrote a 1600, but, you know, I did my, I, 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 but I received something, you know, in a very short period of time that I don't really recall any, how elaborate it could have been. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, a, a download exactly. Uh, but I believe that by the end of the day, I was using the phrase, the parable of the tribes. And, um, but anyway, that's, that's what it was like for me. But, you know, I've had, I know people who've had conversion experiences having to do with, uh, you know, Christian conversion experiences. It takes all kinds of forms. And, and I'm, uh, mine's just what, what mine Is was. it real? Well, let's just say, I said about value, to say that, that value is not real makes as much sense as to say that pain is not real. In other words, people have experiences where they experience things as sacred. And just like with value, the sacred has no meaning unless it's sacred to somebody or something that experiences it as sacred. I mean, what could it mean if we had a, a universe with no God and no sentient creatures, just a bunch of matter and energy running around, nothing experiencing anything? What would it mean to say anything sacred? I can't you know, think of it. I, you know, I, I want to back up a bit. You just made you just made a statement there that I, I just, you know, just kind of triggered the science in my mind when you said uh, it's just as I mean, if, uh, a spiritual experience. What about pain? Is pain real? And then I started to think about it. Pain is just interpretation of an electrical impulse from some externality. Wow. It, it is something That's you actually experience. pretty. It could have been. And not only that, right? Uh, the brain interprets pain as something that dwell, that dwell, that hurts, right? But a brain could, in, just like my daughter who's compromised on the left side feels no pain, those, those things are still firing. It's just the brain is not interpreting it that well, way. We anymore. don't have to deal with it in pain. The point is that we No, no, I, I want it. We I experience. Want it, I want it. I think. For, uh, for people to understand some of what we're saying here, that okay. is a good, a very, in fact, it's, it's why you used it. That was a good expression to say when dissected, oh, it makes a lot of sense. So I see that value and the sacred, which I define as like value to the nth degree, uh, can exist only in the experience, through, through experience, the experience of something who is capable of experiencing value and capable of breaking through uh, into an, a level of experience that's, that's powerful and transformative and maybe revelatory or whatever it is. I mean, I, I've studied things about, uh, you know, like people, like books about Zen Buddhism, you know, um, I had a relationship with one of America, but do I know what actually goes on when somebody experiences Satori? No, but I can tell that it's something. And, and I read about mystics who have these experiences of oneness with the universe. I mean, you can read, it's, it's, it's sort of a universal or a semi-universal, that, that mystical experience of oneness. It takes a lot of forms, but it always involves breaking through to a like a deeper level of reality, which to which the word spiritual seems uh, reasonable to attach. Yeah, when you know, there are a lot of people who just wouldn't understand the concept of spiritualism in this particular argument. Tell me a little bit about you told you told us about 1970, where you went ahead and out of that wrote your your book, um, the parables 
parable of the tribes. Um, what in that book most explains what you actually, uh, what was revealed to you? Well, let me just say that at the moment, I estimate that book to articulate like uh, one sixth or so of what I put together in the, the whole, you know, the whole thing. Um, what that, the parable of tribes, what I saw and what the book tries compellingly and meticulously to demonstrate is that when a creature takes the step onto the path of civilization, it inevitably unleashes a social evolutionary force that will drive that civilization to develop in ways it wouldn't have chosen. You've always liked that phrase, the spirit of the gangster. It's in that context that because of the dynamics that are unleashed in the system, when a creature takes the unprecedented step of extricating itself from the natural order by inventing its own way of life, that's the path of civilization. That's how I define civilization. I think it works, basically. That when you, uh, that it precipitates that creature into a dynamic having to do with there being no order to regulate the interactions among these societies, which is anarchy, which leads to the warlord or the gangster having the predominant role in saying, this is how the human world will be. So in that book, I don't say this, but I think I prove it. Uh, any creature on any planet, regardless of its nature, that takes the step that our species took 10 or 12,000 years ago, that extricating itself, et cetera, inventing its own way of life thing, will inevitably unleash social evolutionary forces that will make its history as destructive and tormented as human history has been. That's what, the, that, that's what I saw. I mean, the, that's, that follows necessarily from- You know, um, you know uh, I don't know what, when, you, when you put it that way, uh, it has two different sides, right? You can either say, oh my God, that's not too, that doesn't speak well for the future. Or you can look at it and say, well, because you know that that is a natural evolutionary stage, you probably should do something about it. The latter is where I'm at. I mean, I think we've talked about the central challenge that mm -hmm. uh, uh, any civilization creating creature would, would face, namely to order its civilization well enough, soon enough to prevent its self-destruction. And I see the destructive forces uh, at work in our civilization that have taken over one of our two major political parties. Yes, it has. Yeah. Um, I, I, I see that destructive force as being um, the echoes of the original uh, 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 disorder that unleashed this terrible social evolutionary force that led, you know, in, in, in 5,000 years from the beginnings of horticulture to the emergence of the empires, that you've got these tyrannical few enslaving the many and waging wars of conquest, the spirit of the gangster. And it wasn't because that is who we are. And so the other thing I say follows from the parable of tribes is the ugliness we see in human history is not human nature writ large. What is it? 
It is the result of a destructive force that got unleashed and was inevitably going to be unleashed if a creature uh, broke out of the natural order into the anarchy that civilization inevitably was going to be, be in. There was no way for the natural order to regulate them. There was no way for the humanity uh, collectively to come up with a with a uh, an agreement that they uh, could then also enforce to make sure that all their interactions were consistent with the well-being of the whole system. This was something unprecedented in the history of life. It was anarchy, a war of all against all, the selection for the ways of power, and plunging the poor civilization-creating creature who just had the uh, creative intelligence to break the rules condemning it to thousands of years of very strong difficulty. And the outcome remains uncertain. And yes, we really do need to work to overcome that destructive force. I'd love to hear that. Now I'm going to ask you a very difficult question. Oh, um, and, it, and how uh, the spiritualism that lives within us all, it lives within us all. Now you had a unique spiritual experience that probably many won't have or many won't allow themselves to have that's just human nature i mean uh, there are some people that just believe they are not spiritual and as such they probably won't yeah, open I, I don't know if this i mean i say the capacity is widespread i i say my impression from things i've heard is like one third of the people uh get to that level one way or another but but i've had other people suggest no they think everybody has that innate capacity that's where 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 I stand is um again I am a science based person that doesn't think there are a lot of things that influence the material body externally per se you know I mean I I think we're genetically we're a certain way which I think gives us all similar behavior. But we do have things like one ninth of the people are left handed. I mean, exactly. And some people are musical and some people are not. Right. So it, maybe it's something that gets uh, shuffled and dealt out. Not everybody. Maybe somehow in the end. But what, like I, I, I said, don't, that I don't know. I don't pretend. We don't. don't None of us do. None of us do. But the preponderance is that we all have these capacities, even even if it's it needs to be triggered or otherwise. Now, my real question to you is as follows: um, Given given the these these given that we we most have these spiritual the ability to have these spiritual uh, forms, if you will, or modals, how do we use that to make well, my... a better human story, to make, to, to make things better? How do, we, how do we not allow what has occurred thus far to occur? Well, I mean, the answer to that is manifold. Uh, you know, I mean, they're strengthening the powers of the good. How? And, and we've talked about some of the ways in which the side in America right now that has had the duty fall to it to represent the good because the other side is in the possession of evil. Uh, so every fight is basically along that axis. So uh, we've talked about the problems in the culture of liberal America and what we're talking about today, about not seeing things whole, I regard as part of that. It's not just that, you know, uh, what the Nazis did in Auschwitz isn't what I would have done, but it seemed right to them, so it was right to them. There's that. But there's also not seeing things whole because the spiritual power of seeing things whole, whether, you know, like uh, people come back from uh, a mystical experience or an acid experience or whatever, and, and they've got this sense that everything is one or something like that, it's very powerful. So if, if people 
can, what I've been trying to do is to show, for example, in, in this particular urgent battle in America, where democracy versus fascism is the form that good versus evil is taking at the moment. That's for the next time, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but I, I believe that um, I, it is important that people perceive the whole that is represented by everything from the insurrection to Alito's theocratic and uh, contemptuous uh, opinion to the disenfranchisement, you know, on and on and on, just this, this picture of, uh, of a coherent force that is spreading a pattern of brokenness that needs to be perceived in, at the spiritual level because that's where it's operating. I agree. And, you know, even further than that, I think that the other side has uh, has done exactly that just in a manner, not for for the good. That's that's my thought. OK, uh, Dr. Schmuckler, as usual, when we get into these long conversations, time just seems to fly. So as usual, you have the floor to give me your closing argument, not a closing oh, wow. argument. You know what I well, I, I, in terms of the structure of things, let me uh, present the three E's. Um, I don't know how well I'll be able to improvise this, but... Uh, well, I love your three E's, so I'm looking at them right now. So go oh, for okay. it. Let's, hold, let's well, see if you remember what you wrote. Well, evolution, emergence, and experience. Yes. And you know, what I'm saying is that we can admit the moral dimension getting into the world through the evolutionary dimension. We can be grounded in the truth about what's going on in the forces in this world. Or experience. Uh, well, no, I'm thinking about objectively. Okay. We know how evolution works. It selects for what helps a, a, a creature uh, put its DNA into the future. It means it's continually choosing life over death. And it, it means it will inscribe in, in, in the nature of the creature that it will register things in a way that motivate it to do what will help preserve its life. And the strategy is to, do, uh, to build in what was life-serving in the ancestral past. Take that structure, which is where we come from, <clears throat> and we can go into the other dimensions. <clears throat> Bless you. Yeah. <clears throat> There's an emergence of value <coughs> in creatures that experience some things better and some things worse. I don't know when that started. We've got it. <coughs> My cats have got it. You know, whether planaria have got it or not, I don't know. But someplace, there's a line anyway. It emerges into the world. The first life emerges out of the dead. And then the, that which can value things emerges out of things that might as well be, you know, doesn't matter. And then the spiritual dimension emerges. And that means that it was life-serving to have that capacity. And indeed, if you look at the things that people come back with, they tend more often than not to push toward wholeness and not brokenness. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Do not bear false witness against thy neighbor. 
let, ang let anger by non-anger be overcome. Let us take better care of this planet. And in my case, let us understand what we're up against so that we can bring human civilization into a soft landing where life in us and around us can thrive instead of our destroying ourselves. Dr. Andy Schmuckler, thank you so kindly once again for continuing your series, A Better Human Story on Politics Done Right. Thank you so kindly. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.